Welcome. You're listening to Sanseet. Where you'll find everything to do with spirituality, life lessons, holistic living, and medicine. To become your true self. We all have stories, journeys, experiences, and love. Here's your host, Aaron O'Dowd. Hello and welcome. On today's show of Sanseet, we have Christy Lee. She is a dear friend and a word whisperer, where she makes words into people's reality and make them to a point where people's lives change through the words that Christy helped them through her energy. She is a psychic reader, and you've probably heard her on various radio shows uh, being interviewed. She has just recently um, given her first radio program called Tap and Tune In. You can find her at www.tapandtunein.com. Hello, welcome to the show, Christy. How are you doing today? Hi, thank you so much. I'm doing wonderful. When did you c- come to terms that you could uh, make uh, words into magic and uh, psychic readings? Well, I believe I was born intuitive. I always, um, even kind of like an unbeknownst to me, can look backward in time and see that I was pretty good at reading my experience and always had just a way of being able to shift me into um, places that were more safe (laughs) kind of as a kid and know what to do. But I didn't really come into an understanding of any of my gifts until I was um, in my early 20s. Um, began doing a um, place up on Casper Mountain called Crimson Dawn. And it was a place in the daytime where um, it's historic cabins and it's for Pioneer. And everything was, um, it still is, I think, to this day, a place with all of the memorabilia from it originally being put into play back in the 1800s. And at nighttime and during different holiday ceremonies, they had um, a lot of things where we could get deeper into our connectivity, into all that was, and our gifts. And I worked with a woman who began to teach me how to scry in the sky and how to scry in a bowl. So that was kind of the entrance to it. Um, and I kept that on a download <laughs> for many years. And didn't really open up to it um, until I had gone through my own healing, um, broke my back, and had about a nine-month period of going through pure hell. And at the end of that was when I, um, one day in my kitchen, had had enough, and I spoke literally into existence that I wanted my body back, and I wanted it back right now. And in that moment, I got it. And after that, I began opening up to understanding I could walk by somebody and know what was going on with them physically and kind of the emotional root cause. And I could speak it out or um, and speak in their health for them. It's just kind of taken off. <laughs> and so that's been um, maybe nine years ago when I started to come in, into it and more so became public with it four years ago. Why did you keep the describing the on the down low? Well, I just 
can't really give you a reason why. Um, I think I was it probably, I was raised in a religious family. That would be one reason. And so it wasn't something that was really like accepted. You know, I wasn't brought up with it being accepted. And then um, I just didn't really ever come out with it. It was always just kind of like my thing that friends or whatever on a private level knew that I did that kind of thing or I'd ask questions and kind of guide my own life. But I didn't really put everything into a semblance until much later to where um, I had to really overcome a lot of my own fear. And I live in the South. <laughs> it's, you know, predominantly um, what would be considered the Bible Belt. And so it was really interesting to step up into um, allowing myself to be me and not to um, be under the suppression of any of the religious dogma. That happened much later. Okay. Um, did you become homeless for a period of time? I did. I did. Um, that happened. Okay, so I was working. I started out career-wise. I was um, did social working, and I worked in the social ser- service field and uh, capacity of all sorts of things. And then um, 2002 was the beginning of what I call my spiritual awakening that happened at a suicide of somebody dear to my heart send me to the depths of hell. And that period of time, I really surrendered in, became building a relationship with me, started working hospice, went kind of on what I would call a sabbatical about three and a half years. Then I decided I was going to step back out, do something completely different. I began um, working in a restaurant. And at the time I was working in the restaurant, when I broke my back and went through that healing, I knew that I had like that call on my life that I was really kind of a full card in the tarot, right? The very first card in the deck of the tarot where you know that you've got something, you're supposed to do it, but you don't know exactly how. So um, I just followed that voice and I just leaped without looking and I didn't really have the understanding of how um, the universe worked and creating an abundant flow of revenue to come to you without having something else that was sustainable as a check coming in. So I had, in the beginning, I knew when I leaped that um, I'd leaped into some arms that were probably not for my greater and higher good, meaning people that were in my life. And I started to have an awareness that there were things that had to be shed off of me in order for me to grow. So I started saying a prayer um, every day for any and everything that was no longer of service in my life to be released out of it. And for that, which was of a higher alignment to be um, brought back in. And I went through a shedding away of people, places, things, income, all sorts of stuff, clear down to even losing my license not my license, like I didn't get in trouble, but my wallet, and it had all of my identification, all of my cash, my PayPal account card, all of it. And I was with a car and had a little bit of possession in my car. And I fell even into having my car inside of a um, a park pay area and didn't have the money to even get it out that night. And so I ended up sleeping on a beach 
And in the morning, I woke up and I had um, really come to a point of, holy crap, I don't even have water. I have no money. I have nothing. I don't have friends. I don't, whatever. I'm just a girl with a dream that I know it's been put on my heart to follow. And I let myself really surrender into the intensity of the fear. It was so scary, you know, to be like, oh, my gosh, I have nowhere to go. I just don't know. And um, I just started calling out what I was feeling and really surrendering into it. And I let all the emotions just kind of like wash over me. And um, then help was on its way. As soon as I released that out, there was um, an opening for help to begin. And then it took me through cycle of um, that very initial help. And this is really important, I think, to touch on what it was. So I was at the beach and I was, they had a music festival that was going on. And in that morning, it was prior to any of the people who were coming with any of the booths or com- um, confession stand or anything were not there yet. When I had my complete come apart, my surrender moment. And I really was in a lot of fear. I didn't know what direction to turn. I just knew that I'd asked to have things released. I wasn't going back. I wasn't going to reach backwards and reach to the direction I had in the past. And I cried really, really hard. And when I was done, I just kind of hit that. And just kind of looked up at the sky like, okay, now help me. And here comes somebody immediately almost right around the corner, and they had a box. The box had coffee, sugars, water, donuts. And they were so excited, like, hi, how are you? Would you like something to eat and drink? (laughs) And I was like, wow, thank you so much. And they were like, take some for later. And I was excited to have a water for later. And then immediately following a man in a truck pull up, and he said, hi, I'm so-and-so, and and I'm an owner of that served a certain kind of food. He gave me his business card and told me to come along and he would feed me lunch. And I was like, oh my goodness. And then later in the day, somebody gave me $20 and before nightfall, someone else had made contact and asked me if I was from the area and told me they had a condo that I could go and stay in that was a little further up the beach. They weren't needing it and they had all of the information for me to go ahead and get in it and stay for a few nights that were taken care of. And that took like a lot of leap in faith again, right, to know that their gift was legitimate. And so um, I did. I took that leap of faith and I went to the condo and it was like overlooking the beach on the seventh floor, a nice balcony, everything furnished food. It was so amazing. And I got to kind of get my head back on um, and figure out, like, okay, this is kind of how it works. And I knew I couldn't stay there, obviously, forever. I needed to come up with a plan. I had a small client base, but not enough to, like, really get myself situated yet. And I got called into the Orlando area. They had some things going on there um, with... um, I went and I kind of co-created in that, but it didn't really feel in alignment. So that was where I was at next. I actually lived in a tent back in a woods where there were other people that were homeless. I knew that I was kind of seated there for a minute, like it was a divine assignment. And I didn't really do much interaction when I was there, but I did a lot of shifting of the energy when I was there and um, witnessed like people getting jobs and cars and childcare and all sorts of things opening up there. And I had felt again, kind of that moment of defeat. And when I had felt that moment of defeat, um, I ended up 
calling out that night and I was speaking like to spirit, I call it, you know, the great spirit or my higher self. And I remember hearing, what, what do you need? And I was like, I need hope. Well, it was kind of interesting. There was somebody back from way in the day when I was doing social work in the 90s in um, Utah that had made contact with me, and their daughter was in an area nearby that had come across from Colorado in a bus with a boyfriend, and they had fought. And I hadn't spoke to her in years and years. And she contacted me and said her um, daughter was there, wanted to see if I could find her, and sent me a picture, which the picture led me to where her kid was at. And I made contact and ended up (coughs) finding her. I just went into a building where I knew she was at, um, energetically led there, and the guy had said she'd been there a little bit prior and ended up... um, just leaving, so I went outside and I just basically opened up the energy to draw her back there, and she came. And then they ended up having an opening to go down into um, in further south in Florida. So I agreed to drive them. And when I dropped them off, I got a phone call from someone else that had said, "Hey, I have a friend down there. She you can come over. She wants to meet you, Cookie Mill, about things." And I was like, okay. So I called her. Her name was Tish, and um, she told me to come on over. And she had a little girl in her arm when she answered the door, and the little girl's name was Mia Hope. (laughs) (laughs) So that was kind of the beginning of the ending to that portion. Um, I stayed with her a matter of three days. That was her son had actually broke his arm, and prior to me coming, it had swelling. He needed a cast. And her and I just visited, and I ended up just doing a little healing on her son, and that put his bone back in alignment. And when he went to get the cast, he didn't have a break. And she spoke over me for three days, the words, own your worth, own your worth, own your worth. And I left her house a new person, one that could finally step into my power and um, begin to receive, you know, uh, energy exchange in the way of cash for the gifts that I was delivering to the world. So that kind of was, um, led me back into Alabama and then opened up pretty much the stability, the beginning of the end to the, you know, the end of in opening to a beginning to the stability that I've just little by little learned how to, um, really trust the provisions and, um, yeah, <laughs> crazy, right? Um, yeah. When um, you were having these experiences while being, being homeless, um, did you feel that it was elemental synchronicity? All I knew is that I had drawn a line in the sand where I had hit some points in my own life where I was done doing it that way. And I knew the only way that I could move forward was to trust that I could move forward without reaching backwards for anything. But I had never done anything of that magnitude before, so I didn't really have any idea what would be on the other side. When it began feeling synchronistic to me instead of like that, um, holy shit, here I am on the beach without any money and I don't even know what I'm going to do. Um, the first time that the synchronistic part would come into my awareness was after my surrender. And then after my surrender, it opened up like, oh, my gosh, I am provided for. And then everything after that, like I could begin to put the synchronistic pieces to the puzzle together, or at least acknowledge they were there. Um, when you drew the line in the sand, was that your way of saying surrendering? 
I just meant like from my past, you know, I had um, people and experiences that were really ready to be shed out of my life. They just weren't of, um, they weren't supporting me in who I was. And so I had tried to kind of curtail myself into making myself into what they wanted me to be instead of just me being me. And I knew that it was a hindrance instead of an encouragement. And so I knew in order for me to step forward into what I was doing, I needed to shake loose of um, those kind of ties so I could truly allow myself to be me without any holding me back. Oh, with... Um, so that was the line in the sand, like, no more. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, with... Um uh shedding the skin like a snake how were you, were you able to know which was the right way or the wrong way to go um well i literally um had by that point in my life i had when i went through my first dark night of the soul back in 2002 i made up my mind at that point in time that i was no longer sacrificing myself that i was going to do like everything i needed to do to turn towards me to make me the best version of me that there was and the only one that could go through that was myself so that was like my first initial turning to me turning to me turning to me and i kept moving forward in that and then i went through a period of time where i actually had got baptized and i always had a dream and a hope of having family right and mm -hmm. i have family but i didn't really have a family that i'm um, close with and so as soon as I got baptized it was like I was introduced oh this is your family and you know come on in and I was so welcome and my ideal of what that looked like was different than what it was I had made up in my imagination of what a family would look like and when I got there it didn't match so it doesn't make them bad it just meant that my imagination dreamed up something that wasn't what it was right yeah and so as I started to have to kind of shrink into, um, like, they, like the, I had already, prior to being baptized, I'd been um, healing for a, a while, and it's actually what I considered myself and having in a, a moment with Creator, and um, I knew that it didn't come with any dogma. And so as soon as the dogma started, it was like kind of the people in my life all of a sudden wanted me to speak a language that wasn't me. It wasn't how I talk. It wasn't anything like I communicate with, um, you know, that spirit inside of me that guides my life. And so I at first wanted to just kind of like fit in and I let myself shrink and whatever else. And then it got to a point where I didn't want to comfortable. And I wasn't going to do that. And so um, the the discomfort of not being able to fully be me was greater than me being accepted into an ideal of a family. And that's when I just kind of drew the line in the sand and said, take everything away. And when it didn't feel good, it didn't feel good. I just walked away from it or it fell away from me. They either, you know, opted not to be a part of my life or I, I opted that it just didn't feel good. I had to shrink in the midst of it. So it wasn't for me. And I just let it all just kind of fall apart without reaching back to solve it. <laughs> um, when you say baptized, was that baptized through a church or a spiritual ritual? Or tell us about that. Yeah, I got baptized in the river, and it was a um, spiritual thing. It's in the Bible, in fact, you know, where it talks about John the Baptist, and it was similar to that. 
um, where I was baptized, it was very synchronistic, all of the pieces that came in to be with that. I already had an uh, encounter with God way back, which I would call Creator, um, in 2002. I'd never really met anybody else that had aligned with what I experienced that I had met to that point in my life. Um, the person who ended up baptizing me was um, a person from Honduras, and everything was so synchronistic to them coming, and we had a lot of the same belief about being one with Christ, not having that being a, like an external Christ that you worship, but more coming into that oneness, and it was just kind of like a total cleanse and just standing up into it. It felt really um, like it was... It was definitely, I guess you could call it ritualistic, but it didn't, it was very spiritual to me, but ritualistic, it was very spiritual to me, and it felt like um, when literally I was lifted up out of that water, not only did I have the awareness that I went into that water with, but I literally lifted with a higher level of awakening, and it never changed my perspective on being one with Christ or um, beginning to worship a, you know, like a deity outside of myself or whatever, but it literally, I saw the world in different hues, and I started to have awareness to things that I did not have prior. <laughs> so it was very interesting. Mm -hmm. um, and when you said uh, you had a, a, a family, um, I know you have a physical family, but what did you mean by the family? Was it a spiritual family or someone that you met through uh, an organization? Yeah, they were all, um, they were spiritual family. I've, I've completely got my spiritual family now, but in the beginning it had to go through. Um, I met a whole bunch of people and I took everybody like, oh, my family, we got this great big family. And I still have some of the people that are absolutely my family, but it took a little bit of a sifting to come into who, like, we're just that same tribe. We're all from, you know, that same full cluster, so to speak, and we just align. And then it took others that, um, you know, they're, I still love them deeply. I would be okay in their presence, but they're just not my all-the-time contact kind of people. But initially, I was taken, like, to their house, and they lived, you know, nearby, and it was like, oh, yay, family, we could just come be family. And you got to remember, I'm from Utah, and Utah's all about community and huge family. So my idea of what that would be like was um, very different than, you know, kind of how it rolled out here. And But it's not a bad thing. It was a learning thing, and it definitely needed to occur the way it did because it really did open up the gifting to who I felt like so aligned with as being my tribe <laughs> and part of my soul family. Mm -hmm. Are you still based in Utah or you've moved out with you shedding your, your skin to another person uh, being aligned? Yeah, I live in Alabama, Alabama for several years. Uh, okay. And, um, did you did you move to accommodate your spiritual talents and gifts? I, I didn't hear what you said. Um, my my question was: Did you did you move to accommodate your spiritual talent or gifts? No, uh, they all just kind of unfolded here. <laughs> it just happened to be where they unfolded. Mm -hmm. Okay, and uh, after you had uh, this. Um, baptism of of yourself to a new to new christy did did you use more of your uh 
psychic abilities and your being able to use words as to enhance people's lives through energy? Yeah, I, I, yes, definitely. Um, I think that definitely the teachings of Christ are, have been very big for me. If you follow kind of, for me, the red letter gospel or the red letter doctrine inside the Bible, it gives a lot of, um, what Jesus is depicted to do and a style in which he did it. And it also said, everything I can do, you can do also and more. So the way that he gave demonstration of speaking things into existence and out of existence is very similar to how I speak to energy into existence and out of existence. If you think about some of his testimony or what he walked through and showed, demonstrated as what he did, literally like if he was, somebody was deaf, it would be deaf, leave now, here, you know, ears here, you be gone, speak, that kind of a thing. And so it gave me a really good understanding of like, ah, I get it. And it just kind of Uh, like started to activate more. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it, it seemed to, um, looking to awaken it more so I've been shifting things like in my mind for a long time it just kind of that was the when it became like a verbal thing mm-hmm. um okay and uh when you say something to someone what are what is being told to to make the person be aware of the energy what you're saying to them I don't really it's not I move myself out of the way. So if I'm working with somebody, I move me out of the way. I set up from her um, to where I let, like, my, um, I consider my higher self or the um, the great spirit speak, like, through me, and it talks literally high, their higher self, their guidance. I work, like, on that higher dimensional level. Um, and... It's almost like, you know, spirit recognizes spirit, whether somebody recognizes that they have that spirit inside of them or not. When spirit speaks to spirit, it knows spirit, and it just, they cooperate together. So it's not like you have to really do any convincing. It's like spirit does all the work. Every My point of perspective, and of course everybody can have their own, but my point of perspective is very um, much like similar to the Native American where they believe that there's that life force in all things and that, um, you know, the great spirit is um, in everything. And so it's like you, everything is consciousness and you can literally spirit knows spirit. And when it speaks truth, it is truth and it cooperates. So it just kind of works spirit to spirit and it's not a lot of stuff on a human level. Sometimes you can talk to people on human level and they comprehend it, but it just shifts. And it's like their spirit knows what to do. Their consciousness knows what to do. It just happens. And it just opens up. Um, so it's not, yeah, when you try to cognitive it, it doesn't, it doesn't, it's a lot more difficult than just to do it, if that makes sense. Uh, when, how does it feel um, when you do this? Um, it's pretty fun, to be honest with you. It's like pretty fun. It really is amazing to see the power of our word and our intention and it is definitely built up in level by faith and 
I have done it for such a long time that I'm a faith giant. You couldn't convince me that something couldn't work. Obviously, I couldn't, like, speak a castle into my existence and walk out my front yard. I'm not going to have a castle. I haven't built myself up to that faith level, but if I had that to that level, it would occur. But I've seen so many miracles that have happened and so much that when I speak it, I can literally know what happens. Sometimes I get, like, you know, people that let me know about the things that um, but because my level of faith is built so high, as soon as I speak it, I just go about my life. I don't keep, like, being the farmer that goes out, you know, digs up the, the, the field to see if the seed is going to sprout. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's just like I can speak it and go about my life, and then I just get to hear all of the fun stuff going um, afterward. So for me, it's a blast. I have a lot of fun doing it, and um, it allows me to get, like, really, I feel like I get more creative and get um because you have to broaden out your understanding of how it can all work and the levels that it can work at um you know brilliant it is and how it works for you and really you don't have to know what you're doing you just have to um let it do what it does (laughs) it's so brilliant so it's fun I have a lot of fun doing it. It brings a lot of, like, joy into my life. It's really awesome to witness people be free and to really open into having um, the things that are for their life to be able to pour in so they can experience some of their own garden that's Eden, so to speak, in this life. As, as a human experience, have you ever questioned the, the mechanics or the method of this? Well, I've taken a lot of um, energy modalities. So I, um, I've taken like Reiki, I'm a master teacher, and I went through um, working at, uh, um, underneath a person that was a energy worker. And then what really opened me up to having a greater understanding is when I started doing Qigong. And where I was training for Qigong, um, it was brought into my awareness about that of energy that we have like all around us we're literally swimming in that sea of energy and it opened me up to really realizing how I work that energy through my own body and then how you can use all that creative energy around you also studied um, I'm not certified or degree but also studying things like um, acupressure and acupuncture and again, no college, it's all self-study, to really understanding kind of like our meridians and our, um, you know, our energy centers and how it works in our body. So the combination of what I learned through different modalities, including yoga is another one, um, opened me up to understanding just one and how it works in my own body. And then knowing that we have a sea of potential that's around us that literally is like we're swimming in an ocean and it is all creative energy that is pure source that's all around all of us all the time. And that opened me up to really having a greater understanding of how to use it and just um, that part of it, being able to move the energy is connecting into it. It seems like it took me... Most of the work I do now is distant um, healing and sessions. Almost everyone is from somebody else in a different state. I do do a little bit local, um, but I'm noted across the world probably for doing distant. And the more that um, I've been following that voice inside of myself for so many years that it guides me. My, I call it the great spirit, higher self. It guides me. And with kind of tying it into Native American tradition um, with 
a lot of our interconnectivity to all things, really recognizing how we are all interconnected and being able to, like, um, work with a tree or a plant or whatever it is. It just expands out, I guess. So it's just been little pieces to a puzzle that come together, and as they come together, then you just kind of know more about it. But the truth is, Erin, I could spend this entire lifetime and continue to – I consider myself a student, and – as I'm learning, I could never know it all. There's so much to learn. So everything is like brand new and I'm constantly getting guided and showing like new stuff, right? Because nice. you could just never know in this lifetime. It's not enough to know it all. <laughs> so it's just like I got to be a student and at the same time kind of having enough of an understanding to where I can use it for the greatest and highest good of all that is. And yeah, <laughs> but definitely a student. <laughs> um, with being a student and you hear the, the voice inside you, what does the voice sound like if you could uh, identify, identify them as a person? Okay, so um, I, um, like, uh, for instance, you had an opportunity to be present last night on the show and on the um, tap and tune in with Psychic Christy Lee and... Prior to the show, um, as it was being formed into an existence, I began working the energies of it and opening it up, um, like, the perimeter kind of around it and attracting in people that it would be for, that it would be people that are looking for um, something that I could get, something that they would be able to hear a word of encouragement or hear that hope or receive that freedom or that we could co-create out something that would be um, of the betterment to, like, all, everybody as a whole collective kind of go and open it. And so it's already there, and I'm already feeling somewhat of what I'm entering into as I enter into it. It's just not the details. So as somebody is coming on and they actually begin to speak to me, from the moment I hear their voice, that opens up to where I'm literally reading their energy, and it's, like, accessing... Um, they might be saying one thing, but I can see what's happening just beneath the level of conscious awareness and out into their energy field, really seeing where there might be any stop blocks, even might what be revealed to me in the way of experiences that they've had in their life where I'll get little flashes of it or um, uh, we'll be playing real fast, but I also get kind of words. And the spirit with me is somewhat governed, but it, it's not going to be like call somebody out on the show and tell they're very worth something in front of a group of people, but it will give enough information so they know spirit talk to spirit, right? Mm-hmm. And they for um, what it is that they're looking for. They might think that they're calling and saying like, hey, what I'm looking for is a relationship and they're looking for a relationship only because it is a part of themselves that is seeking to have um, that relationship with themselves, and it might be a pattern that they've had in their life, given their entire life away based upon the worth of what somebody else has gifted to them, and so they go and never gain that relationship with themselves. So when they come into my presence, they might be asking a relationship question, but what their higher self is saying, but what they're really asking for is like a relationship to go in deeper with them. And it will start to, like, lead into what I call where um, the seed of the seed of where something was planted and then where it took root and started going forward. So I get a lot of things that are revealed deeper than what they're calling for 
or what they're asking for. So um, somebody might be calling in and saying, like, hey, I need money or blah, blah, blah. They might be thinking these things, and they've got all sorts of streams of prosperity that's open for them, but what they're really asking for is freedom. And them in order to get them to a place where they can have more freedom, it might take a little bit of time where they really need some nurturing. So um, people don't always... Like, people think they know what they need for themselves, but their higher self or their their spirit is going to give whatever information it is. We have free will, though. So people can reject it and they can continue to, um, you know, a person, let's say, that wanted the relationship that their higher self or their spirit, hey, wait a minute, why don't you um, build that relationship with you for now? Free will is going to let them say, like, yes, that is, I'm going to listen to this guidance, or it could be that intersection where they're like, yeah, about that relationship, which they'll get. And at the same time, they'll go into, they'll have a harder time coming into that higher alignment with that relationship with themselves. They'll more than likely go into some of that older patterning, and then they'll intersect again into an experience of um, where they have a chance again to, you know, have that relationship, either have enough turmoil that they both, um, that they'll turn to themselves in the relationship or will intersect at an ending of a relationship. So it's like, uh, if that helps. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, why did you come, or tell us about how you came up with the name with Tap and Tune In? Oh, okay. That's really fun. So I wrote the program Wheels of Light, and Wheels of Light is literally um, for energy healing, and it's because we're made up of Wheels of Light, right, that vibrate a different um, vibration and, and emanate color. And are in tune and as I began working with people not to lead them deeper into me but to let them tap in and tune into that inner essence that them that they already are that's inside of them so at tap and tune in is all about leading people to their own inner essence and really helping them to step up into their power and to be free of the debris in their life where um, they are ready to understand who they are, what they're created for, and understanding, being able to follow that guide inside of them and coming into more of their own essence. So tap and tune in is all about like tapping in and tuning into your own inner essence. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think that name came to because that's the, what described about you um, during your own experience? I'm sure that it absolutely, um, you know, if we're having, if we're, like, I think that, you know, um, the man who looks outside always, you know, stays asleep, but the man who looks within awakes. And so if we're, for myself, when I finally was brave enough to go in and really tap in and tune into who I was on a level far beyond anything I had experienced by being told or through anything that was disempowering or even empowering me, the identity that I'd made about myself through the car I drove, the home I lived in, the husband I was married to, the family I had, any of that status quo, whatever, that um, that's all just not, I mean, it's all stuff that makes your life okay, but the true essence of who I am is absolutely so much greater than anything we can imagine in our physical give me that the shadow world and this shadow world can become a really fun world after you understand that you're part of all of the existence but 
it definitely was my um, my homecoming. I got to come home into myself, and the more that I arise into understanding that I'm an essence, that I'm a, a flow from creator, you know, connected. Um, yes, <laughs> it's definitely tapping and tuning in deeper and deeper into that essence. And why wouldn't I want to give that to others? Um, do you feel liberated when you tap and tune into your divine self? I, I didn't hear what you said. I apologize. It, it's okay. Um, did you feel liberated when you tap and tune into your divine self? Yes. I can't stand being out of, I call it out of alignment. It is misery for me to go into a lower-minded state of being where I'm walking in my own hellish, disconnected landscape. I cannot stand it. And so I'll do, I'll find myself in that sweet surrender as quickly as I realize that I'm spinning myself around into, it's only a perspective, it's only a perception that you're disconnected and you're not being guided. But after I began um, really understanding, like being in alignment with who I am on a higher level, it's really kind of living more in the heavenly landscape of your mind to where you can see things through a divine perspective and it just keeps growing outward. But when I'm in my own um, lower self aspected way, I can honor her. She's a pretty cool chick, you know, and I have a lot of strength or whatever. But I'm telling you, well, out of alignment is misery. <laughs> so I'm pretty good at not liking that misery and I'll surrender right back in there to align again. Mm-hmm. When you say alignment, what do you mean? Okay, so from my point of perspective, we have a lower mind and a higher mind. The lower mind is our mind that is um, the mind that leads us into that doom, gloom, lack, meditation, sickness, illness, limits, um, everything like you're having to hop through some hoops that um, are like, for me it would be, okay, for an example, it would be um, my entire life. If I get anything that I'm going to go do, if I do it on my own on my own accord in a lower mind, then I have got a lot of human things I have to count on. And so then I could get frustrated at the traffic. I could get worried about my rent. I could be worried about the car payment, not have the insurance, like all of the things that come into it. Problems with the family, whatever it might be, to where I can wrap myself right around into hell, right, trying to figure it all out on myself. But when I go into the divine mind and I'm channeling in the upper kingdom from the heavenly landscape, it allows me to see myself and my experience and all that I am experiencing as being a co-creator. And it also allows me to realize that I don't have to figure out the how. I just have to follow the voice and be open for things to um, come into my reality. And then I can be at rest and in peace, and I don't have to struggle with the the lower mind, you know, lower mind that um, convinces you that everything is gloomy or whatever. Mm-hmm. So it's just literally being able to operate my life through the eye of the divine and to see myself and my experience through that. And like I said already, it's something that continues to expand, right? Mm-hmm. But it's to a place where. Um, I can absolutely know the difference between higher mind, lower mind, and I can catch myself pretty quickly when I'm falling into 
um, speaking curses over my life or falling into something that is cursed when I can just simply ask for the lesson and release it, ask for the assistance, and then be shown how to be lifted to the next higher trajectory and witness it, you know, um, what to do next. It's a lot more comfortable in that higher mind. Uh, how can people project their um, their mind from a lower state mind feeling bad and, and crap to a higher perspective, which means happy and light? Well, I think it's impossible to live in a dual planet and think that we can always be light. It's impossible because there's an opposite to everything, right? Mm -hmm. But I do believe that when we dip into our darkness, it doesn't have to consume, that we can recognize it for what it is, know that it's there. Um, there's something in that to learn and that it, it is certainly something we don't have to stay in. We can stay there and feel the feelings, release the whatever it is. We're wandering for a minute and we're at that next stage of being lifted back into that higher mind. So I'm all about the yin-yang. We have to have both the, the dark and the light in order to live in a dual planet. So I'm not about the love and light um, kind of unicorn and butterfly kind of woo-woo stuff at all. But I am about being able to recognize when you have grabbed a hold of a story, something from your past or something in your present experience, and when it is disempowering you and it's speaking more doom and gloom over your experience, you're just recreating the experience and you're speaking it in more and more and more to um to intensify and so at any moment we can you know surrender into the fear of a or the sadness the grief whatever it is emotion wise that we have coming up and then release it feel the feelings release it then open up that willingness to perceive it can be different at that moment um of release opening up that willingness that literally gate of willingness opens a um, channel of higher higher assistance to come and then just simply I, I'm open up to receive so it's kind of like you just throw your hands up in the air and like I don't know you know I don't know help and so you just surrender into what is and then that's when you can start to move into getting out of your own way and allowing um, your guidance to help because we are we're again um, we're sovereign you know and we have our higher self our team of angels of guides they want to help us we've got so much heavenly assistance but they can't intervene unless we ask for their assistance they like have to fold their arms so it's just being present with what is and seeing when you get yourself up against something that um, seems difficult. Surrender. Get into that surrender and then ask for that assistance with a little willingness and you can just keep climbing into the higher mind. And then you can really recognize, um, I, I can recognize for myself real quickly when I'm picking up a, a doom and gloom story. But it doesn't mean that if I'm in the midst of something that is right now in this moment occurring that I don't have I give myself full permission to explore it right right and when I'm done exploring it I know that I don't have to keep exploring it day after day I, I'm able to bring some clarity and and see what I am exploring and if I'm a little bit confused at myself then I'll just keep in um you know there until I have clarity either coming in from my own guidance system or someone else that I trust that follows um that the guidance system that is with a high enough awareness to where they can help you know confirm what I'm thinking or they can help with some clarity 
and then I move out of it. I don't keep those old stories. I don't talk about my past and my life is in a way that disempowers. Um, I don't let myself or allow myself to um, like hold grudges or talk about what somebody did to me or any of those things um, because that's giving all your power away to your past experiences. So it's just like really retraining yourself to um, approach life to where you move yourself out of a victim mode and into um, accepting something brand new for your life. And it takes a little bit of time, though, Aaron, to get there. Yeah, it does. A little by little, we can do it. I did it. Anybody can do it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, How can people rewrite their their story to um, not think about the past and what things have happened to them in the past, more focus on the present and the future? Christy, who ins- who inspires you to do what you do? Change 
that I want in the world to be um, be what I, instead of sitting back and looking at how things could be different, I want to bring it out there. What do I need in my life more than anything? More more uh, people to speak with a hope over me. What do I need people to be unconditionally loving? What do I need faith holders? What do I need embrace for being me? What do I need words of wisdom? What do I need, um, you know, and... And we all need to be heard, understood, um, and listened to, right? That space. So what do I do? I turn around and I give to the world what I most need. And by giving it, it is a and, and it's like I just keep that momentum forward. It's like, what do I see the world needs? It needs what I need. It keeps moving it forward. So I'm all about being that change that I want that I see that the world needs and letting myself be the expression of that moving up forward and that would be my legacy. Uh-huh. Um, if there was a, if you got a present to a billboard to put on the street, what would be your message? Mm-hmm. Say yes to you and own your elixir. <laughs> <laughs> and why did you pick those words? Oh, because it takes 100% dedication to ourselves. I feel like as a, a human, um, you know, as humans going through our lives, even this lifespan alone, that we learn how at very early ages to say yes to um, people when we really wanted to say no. And that over time, saying yes to other people when we really wanted to say no, each time we're doing a little bit of self-abandonment. And in order for people to really embrace who they are, they've got to be willing to make them their number one yes. And meaning that getting really clear, tapping in and tuning into that, um, who you are, what are your values, what are what are the things that light you up? What is it that um, you really desire? What are the things that you are inspired to do? Who inspires you? What's the music you like? Where do you like to go? Like really building that inner relationship and then um, only saying yes when you want to and be done with that. Like, I'm not saying that if somebody needs you and it's something, you know, that there aren't times like that you're not going to go like, man, I have to cook that dinner and cook it. Um, but for the most part, like, stop abandoning yourself to be a people believer and instead love yourself more at deeper levels and depth and be kind to yourself at deeper levels and depth. And the kinder and more um, compassionate and tender we are with ourselves, it opens up actually our outer world. So that yes to us is the most important yes ever. And own your elixir comes all about that not allowing the poison from our past to be what destroys us and binds us. So we go and we extract out all of the poison and we turn it into our medicine and that's the elixir we you know, we then give to the world. So that that's where it comes from. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you think no is so hard to say? Um because we were taught anti that, you know, from the time that we were little we were taught to be um starving of other people it just comes with a lot even in think about kids going to school in uniform being told to sit still in a desk and um you know having to hold still when they really want to wiggle being taught to recite things and whatever else it just starts at an early age or just sit down and be quiet don't express yourself don't jump on the furniture don't create that 
um, don't play with those kids, like, or go play with them kids, give your grandma a hug, like, whatever it is, like, all the time where it's not really embraced in our culture to allow kids to make up their mind if they want to give grandma a hug or if they want to sit in the desk or whatever it is. And so it's like we get so trapped into walking past it. Like, who the hell designed this journey for me anyways? And who am I at the end of it, right? So I feel like when we get that opportunity to really, and I'm not saying it's like that 100% for everybody, but to be really embraced in understanding who you are at a deep inner level and being able to um, give yourself permission to say, no, I don't feel like doing that and do it unapologetically and letting yourself honor you. I just, I just feel like that's not, um, it's my thing where I teach others to do the same thing, but it was something that I wasn't taught as a kid. It wasn't something that I incorporated even as an adult, but it's the more I started to awaken into who I was, the more I understood that the more kind and compassionate I am to me, the whole world treats me good. <laughs> so it's something that I um, believe in. If we give us that number one yes, it's going to open up those yeses for us in all sorts of other directions. Do you regret not being taught to say no? as a child and, and, and an adult, as well as an adult? I, I didn't hear you. Um, do you regret not being taught to say no as a child and as an adult? No, I don't hold any regret at all with my life, honestly. I can, I really kind of celebrate all of the different little parts in it. I can see the set myself up for an obstacle course <laughs> and that I did it on purpose to for me and who I am today. So I don't regret any of my life. Um, it all shaped me. It gave me the polar opposite of disempowered that then gave me the understanding that I didn't like the way that felt. So I need to choose something different. <laughs> um, and if, if there was one particular thing that you've you've learned throughout your experiences and story and knowledge, everything that you've done from day one to now, and you met someone in the street uh, in your neighborhood or wherever you are, and they say, Christy, can you uh, improve my life with one aspect? What would it be? Man, we're going to do it right where they're at, and we're just going to surrender into what they have in that now moment of everything that is occurring for them and just be ever present with that. And it wouldn't be me deciding it would be what their um, guidance team, right? Where they could lift them up to the next higher trajectory. So if they were willing to be right there, would meet them exactly where they were at and allow what was for them. And they were willing to release and accept to come forward next. So always meeting somebody exactly where they're at and, um, the guidance that is much higher and wiser than me to come forward to to direct their life and mine to be lifted. Mm-hmm. And how can you uh, bring them to that moment? Is it through words or energy, or is it just bringing them back to that moment and meeting them halfway? Well, you open up the energy of where you're at, right? Right. You've got to open that energy to where somebody is exactly at and meet them exactly there. And then you can open up source energy as brilliant. And as you begin to bring in the energy of source, it knows exactly what to do and it's going to start opening up things anyways. So all you have to do is be present and open. And as you're present and open, it floods the atmosphere. And 
um, it knows exactly where to start lifting things and exactly what to do. So all I have to do is be present with them in that moment and then just kind of be with it. And it moves so fast um, that, you know, depending upon their resistance, they come and they really want help and they're lying to me, they want help. <laughs> whatever it's going to be after that moment, um, I can promise they're left push it to whatever and whatever they choose to keep tangling with later is about what they have to keep tangling with. But for us to even come into an alignment, they're ready <laughs> to have some kind of a shift. And I don't really have to craft it. It's just aligned for me. I don't really have to seek it. It comes, right? It's just literally dropped. Um, like that alignment is absolutely 100% divinely right there. We're at the same spot, same place. Here we are. And my only thing I have to do is just, like, keep opening up the atmosphere and allowing um, the meeting them where they're at and allow source energy to flood forward and to do what it begins to do and then just go from that point forward. Uh, Christy, where can we find you? Yeah, you can find me at tapintunein.com or on Facebook under Christy Lee. My phone number is also 251-599-5820. If you call, be sure and leave a voicemail, and I will most certainly get back to you. Christy, it's an honor to be on the show, and I just want to say thank you for coming on and sharing what you got to share. Thank you so much for having me. It's um, been a pleasure, and I absolutely adore everything about you and appreciate you opening up this um, space for us to connect. Yeah. Um, cool, Kirstie. We've just stopped recording. Yep. Let me just give you one moment. This session is no longer being recorded. Wow. There we go. <laughs> Did you find that good? That was a lot. <laughs> it, was like, it went in so many directions. I was like, wait a minute, that's so much information that came through. <sighs> yeah, yeah, I'm glad I'm glad you enjoyed it. Uh was it I, I don't hope you think uh, it was actually a great conversation. Yeah, I, um <laughs> it was a lot of information that came through. It was like, whoa, my story is so expansive to fit it into. Um, it's like, honestly, and it's been, it's been a journey, and it didn't all come up once, right? We go through many stages before we get to the stage where I'm at now. It didn't come all of that first little aha. It's been many years. I'm I'm 49 years old, and it's been many years of building into who I am today. So when you put all of those years into it, all the way back from my first experience back on Cusper Mountain up to my early 20s to now is a big space of time. And from my very first dark night of the soul where Mark killed himself, man, that was deep and big and gross. <laughs> and then from that to the breaking of the back and then... Um, all of that unfolding into what was and then into knowing that I was going to call out to the homeless. You know, it's such a great big long story. It could make a movie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> mm -hmm. um. And and it's, you know, it, it takes, people don't, I went through the beginning of it, the dark night of my soul alone. Thank God I had social service background. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but, yeah. Um, 
the good thing though today is that people don't have to tread through that shit like we did or I did. Yeah, that's because it. Because there's people that are awakened now and can assist at a, at a different level. I mean, there were people back there with me, but they were like Betty Ford, and and she's awesome. She put out a lot of stuff, but she was unreachable. And a sense of coming to me right now, I need you. Can I just make a phone call and get you on the other end of my line, right? Right. Um, and and Louise Hayes, which has put out a lot of brilliant things, and she's got a lot of self-help stuff or whatever. But actual healers, shamans, people that are energy workers or what have you, back in the years I was going through, they weren't available. <laughs> <laughs> that I was aware of. I'm sure they were in other countries, not in the Western United States. No. Or mm-hmm. in the Bible Belt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. mm-hmm. Right. I know I'm a frontliner for being bringing out energy medicine in, in all of the South. Thank you for spending the time to listen to the show. If you want to learn more, check out sansit.com. That's S-A-N-C-I-T dot com. Join Sanseat Group on Facebook and contact us if you have any questions. Until next time, have an awesome day and rock on.